everybody. Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. My name is Kirk Graham, and I'm back with Logan Ketterling. Hello. Hey, um, I hate to start the podcast this way, but I just got to say it. Two weeks ago, Noah Bennett asked me this question about Super Bowl prediction. And I put it out there publicly that I'm not much of a sports guy, but uh, spent a little time in prayer and fasting and put out my prediction of who's going to win and what the score was going to be. And you can go check the receipts, but I did say I believe the Chiefs are going to win, not because it's rigged or because Taylor Swift is a psyop or because Travis Kelsey, whatever, even though President Joe Biden did put out something that uh, alluding to the fact that he did rig it. Um, but put all that to the side. I predicted that the Chiefs were going to win 24 to 21 and the score was 25 to 22. I, I just got to put it out there that that is a pretty close prediction and I'm proud of myself. Logan, did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. I did. Uh, I did not predict it as well as you did. But <laughs> who, who were you thinking was going to win? Well, I wanted San Francisco to win. Oh, you're rooting for them. Yep. So, yeah, We're, we. I don't know. I, I I'm not like the biggest uh, the biggest Chiefs fan. After watching the uh, did, like, you watch quarterback. We talked about that, right? Yeah, yeah. You're you're just saying Mahomes is not your guy. That's all good. Yeah. Like, I mean, I I think he's talented. Like, I'm not trying to say he's not. I'm not trying to be that guy. Like, you know, you always have that guy who's like, um, like he's not even good. It's like, well, that's not true. Like he is good. He won. He's won three Super Bowls. You know. Yeah, you're just saying. You're just saying. If you were playing for the Chiefs, you could. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, Hey, uh, speaking of, did you see Purdy's uh, post post interview after they lost? No, I didn't. Yeah, he he goes, my identity is not in football, um, and I'm grateful for every day because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He was a total gospel witness, bro. It was class act, and uh, I saw Ali Stuckey's response to his interview just saying, when you're a parent, that's exactly what you want your kid to say. That's exactly how you want them to act. It was it was a really great gospel witness. Um, so side note, um, yeah, Purdy's, Purdy's pretty legit. Purdy's pretty legit. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Good. Hey, Logan, you're in the well, Dominican right now. Uh, not to expose, uh, I didn't mean to dox you right there, but um, <laughs> I just doxed you. Uh, Kirk, Kirk, has, a, Kirk has a knack for, for doxing me. Uh, no, you're in the Dominican. Tell everybody what you're doing. Yeah, we're with a, a group of pastors um, with one of our Kingdom Builders partners, uh, Builders International. And so, uh, you know, there's a, a few times a year where we, you know, meet with different pastors and uh, leaders. Sometimes it's a banquet, other times it's a ministry event. And so this one's uh, a banquet and getting to represent River Valley, which is a, a privilege that we get to do. I know, you know, what, what's interesting is we get invited to probably, I don't know, a hundred and... 20 banquets and you know we'll send we'll send uh some staff to a few of them but we're yeah. not uh we're not at at a banquet every week so it's it's fun to to be able to be here for a couple of days and then we'll be back back for church this weekend 
Yeah, yeah. No, it's for sure joy. I just love that the church can hear about, um, you know, not about the travel, but about um, the different organizations that Kingdom Builders supports. And Builders International is also a great partner with another organization that Kingdom Builders supports called Priority One. And they they build churches around the world. They build Bible schools around the world. They build dormitories for those Bible schools. They build libraries that um, are on university campuses. So Builders International is an incredible organization doing really great work because around the world, where they want to train future pastors and church planters, ministry leaders, missionaries, you need facilities. You need, I mean, it's just the reality of you need to be able to gather people that is not under a tree um, or out in the open air, but you need to be able to gather people under a roof. And so Builders International creates that environment. Yeah, go ahead. And what they do is they figure out all the laws of different countries and construction and how that works. And, you know, as you can imagine, like even in different cities and counties in Minnesota, there's different laws around things. You can imagine how difficult it is when, you you know, we talk about uh, different dormitories or or churches or things that we're building around the world through kingdom builders we talk about that and often builders international is the partner especially more recently they're doing a lot of new projects because they've figured out a process that can help that happen so anyone who's listening who's in construction or who's in permitting or anything like that they know how again how how challenging that can be here and, and we don't want to just they be like oh it. we're going to find people on the side of the road and get it done although you know if that's what it'll take we'll we'll, we'll make it yeah. happen but they do it a lot better than that and so um a great great ministry great organization yep uh two things that happened this last weekend was um pastor i've taught on plan vision dream we could talk a little bit about generosity and um just uh, the spirit of generosity, Pastor Rob takes that message on the road every year. Um, you know, I don't know how many, um, events you have planned, Logan, but generosity accelerators that are happening. We could talk about that a little bit, but also we launched Lakeville campus, which you and I were both there celebrating with a brand new campus. Lakeville was amazing. I don't know what your perspective is from this last weekend, Logan. Oh, I mean, I grew up in Lakeville, so it's very, it's very surreal for me to have, now a river valley campus in lakeville where you're building a house in lakeville yeah yeah so we're we're uh super excited for lakeville being our our place and we'll be a part of lakeville campus and so it's just it's amazing to see i I mean was it a thousand people at the launch yeah over a thousand people at the launch of lakeville our largest launch as a church yet which is which is awesome so i mean it's awesome uh, i saw i saw the right I saw a whole bunch of people that, um, you know, when I'm there, I'm, you're just trying to gauge how many are coming from other campuses. And for sure, over 500 or 600 people, they're not coming from other, from other campuses. They're, they're new to our church, which praying that they continue to come week after week and make River Valley their home. But uh, I love to see that this is, it's not just a new location for former Apple Valley campus members, but also for new people that don't have a church home yet. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm hoping that our neighbors show up. I'm hoping that we have just people that are, are, I mean, Lakeville, like I've been talking to a lot of people, even at the pre-launch events and people who live in Lakeville love Lakeville. They want their church to be in Lakeville and they, it's funny when I was a kid, and if you're from Apple Valley, don't be offended by this because I don't believe this. I'm just I'm reporting the news. 
And when I was in school, I would say to people, you know, I go to church in Apple Valley and, and you might as well have told them that I, that that was in North Dakota because yeah. they, they were like, I mean, and again, you're from North Dakota or you lived there for a while. No, no offense to North Dakota. I'm just saying that people in Lakeville yeah, might as well like be a foreign Lakeville. country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's next door, but it, it might as well be Iowa. It's not, yeah. yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, I live in Lakeville, and the, the farthest northeast I go is to the church. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't come up here to Apple Valley for much, you know, even though they've expanded some stuff on, on Pilot Knob. And I, I realize if you don't live in Apple Valley or Lakeville, you don't know what we're saying. But Punch um, Pizza That is, is the reality of being multi-site. I'll go for Punch Pizza. Yeah, yeah, up up pilot now. No, I agree. I, the punch salad is is legit. Um, Let's get something some that questions. I was. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you. Well, I was just gonna say, if you weren't at Lakeville, I just wanted to explain the story that when we were at the nine o'clock service, the the oh. sound while Pastor <laughs> Rob was preaching, the audio while Pastor Rob was preaching, everything shut off, uh, just completely shut off. Like microphones were not working. And uh, it the, it was an amazing masterclass on public leadership when something's going wrong because Pastor Rob kept his cool, and he literally had to shout to um, over <laughs> 500 people in that auditorium, shout, preach, um, while the production team had to do some problem solving, figuring out what is going wrong, what's happening. They and did Pastor a great Rob job. Was so smooth and funny and it was it, it wasn't like comedy hour but it he made some he made it light and fun and enjoyable while also trying to continue preaching his message and to continue to have co coherent thought and and be able to move forward and he didn't have a heaviness about him he didn't have a frustration about him it was amazing and it, and it glued that room together like we were all in leaning in uh, and then the production team was able to bring up a temporary speaker and microphone that was uh, plugged into a different uh, outlet. And then he preached from that for a little bit. And then they they were able to figure out what went wrong. They reset the system and then gave him back uh, a different handheld mic. And then he preached from that. Like the on-the-fly adjustments that Pastor Rob had to make and to do it with just a buoyant spirit and to glue everybody in the room versus – uh, you know, making it feel, I don't know, disunifying or awkward or like we were lacking excellence or like we weren't prepared. Uh, Pastor Rob just did an amazing job. So if you weren't at Lakeville, you missed uh, kind of a, a wild ride during that 9 a.m. service. Uh, but those are the things like that I love sharing on the podcast of like, dude, we're a normal church and we're figuring it out as we go and not everything goes perfect according to plan. And we love problem solving on the fly. And when something goes wrong, all right, let's solve the problem. Um, and let's keep it light and fun and enjoyable versus, um, versus who's losing their job because, uh, you know, we, you know, we didn't have this, this, whatever. So, and it actually wasn't our team's fault. It was something that had to do with the school. So, um, it, it, it was an adventure at the nine o'clock. The 11 o'clock was perfectly smooth. And that's, it's just another reason why I love being a part of our church is Pastor Rob doesn't demand perfection. Uh, but we're a part of a, a culture that is let's, 
let's go after excellence for sure. Let's try to solve every problem that we can uh, beforehand. But then if something goes wrong, it is what it is. And let's fix it for next week. I'm sure that some of our production people were sending around the meme of Travis Kelsey yelling at their his coach, Andy Reid, and saying, Passer Rob, when Lakeville campus mic drops out. But... <laughs> He, he actually wasn't that mad. He, he played it off so cool. Um, and I was texting with some friends uh, in the network, some part of the yep. River Valley network, and I said, 12 campus, and we still can't figure it all out. That's okay. You know, it's like we're not perfect, yeah. like you said. Um, okay. I want to get some questions. I know there were some that you didn't get to. Thanks for thanks for hosting, by the way, the last two weeks without me, and I, I know I'm gone again, but uh, this is the really the busiest stretch with the network. Um, I've been at all sorts of different events. I was at a, a, an event in Florida uh, a couple of days ago with all the largest oh, yeah. churches in the Assemblies of God, uh, meeting with, with them. And again, as a network pastor, I'm connecting with these churches. We're totaling up the Kingdom Builders. You mentioned the Generosity Accelerator. I, we're in the mid fifties right now of, and that's millions of what our network has given to kingdom builders. And what's crazy about that. So it's about like 54, 55 million right now as we're recording this, but we only have like a 24% response rate. So that's even crazier that there's even way more money that's being given to missions and kingdom builders Yep. in our network, but it's just people don't, you know, they don't respond to surveys as much. And so it, either way, we're going to celebrate whatever the total is. Uh, we know it's, it's mo many multiples more than that, but either way, like the actual, actual count we have is in the 50, 50 ish million range. So just know that, yeah, so awesome. you know, the, the network and all the generosity accelerators are going to, to really impact a lot of people, uh, around the world. So, um, Nicole asks men and women's roles in marriage. Kirk, I'm going to let you start on this one. Yeah, is is that the actual question? It's just It says a podcast statement. episode request men's and women's roles in marriage. Oh yeah, I mean I, I definitely don't want to spend the whole episode doing this and I just personally I'm I'm getting more passionate about posting uh helping husbands uh and also parents, uh fathers uh, just talking about marriage, talking about parenting. And so um, feel free to tune into some of that stuff. But I think uh, the Bible the Bible has a lot to say about the man's role and about the woman's role. And, and uh, I'll just start, I'll start from the beginning. And Logan, just cut me off when it's, when we need to move on. But you start just start from, from the, from beginning, the beginning, beginning of the Bible. Yeah, Genesis 1-1. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, but almost actually, um, we we do believe that it's still okay to teach the Bible and what the Word of God teaches, no matter what culture says. And so, all all people, all humans are created in God's image with inherent value, with a plan and purpose for their life. And He created uh, them male and female. There are two genders, and you don't get to choose. And so, um, you're either born male or female. And um, uh, I know that we're living in gender identity crisis and uh, and with LGBTQ and trans and all that, but it's okay to teach your kids, hey, there's male, there's female, and also to teach them what is good, God-honoring marriage and also just what is marriage in general because uh, God created marriage, therefore he gets to define it. And the definition of marriage is it is, it is between one man and one woman. And so biblical marriage, one man, one woman, anything that is not that is not marriage. And so that's not a mean statement. That's just the truth from the word of God. Um, and so God designed men to have 
an amazing role and God designed women to have an amazing role. What I'm about to describe is not about value or about who's better than who um, or or even in um, weird comparison. It's like, no, I'm so grateful that God made us different. Um, and, I, and I'll just say this too, before I describe the role of the man or the role of the woman, I'll just say also, um, this is not about personality and this is not about um, gift, gift set or uh, charisma or about uh, certain wirings. I'll just say like being a man, there there's a spectrum of uh, traditional masculinity versus um, men that are a little bit more effeminate. Like, and, I, and I'll just say stereotypes. Like, um, being a man doesn't mean that you're just a weightlifter um, and you're not allowed to play the piano. Um, I'm somebody that is a. I sing and I play piano. And even though the stereotype might be that that's more feminine, uh, doesn't matter. Like, being a man doesn't mean you're automatically athletic either. So, um, but there is a spectrum of um, kind of where people are at in regards to um, their their body type and build and strength and athleticism and whatever. And there are stereotypes, same on the female side. So there, you know, I've got two daughters and, and one is super um, mature like just maternal, domestic leaning, uh, highly responsible. And the other one is goofy, fun, um, uh, kind of tomboyish athletic. So there, there's a spectrum there. And, and, you know, just even talking about my daughters, one of them is not, uh, more of a girl than the other. So that's, that's not what we believe. We don't have to teach that. And it's okay that God made every person different even within male, there are different different males, uh, how he made them and wired them. Same with females. So the the roles, and especially in marriage, God, God made men to be the head of the home um, and the spiritual leaders. Um, and so you are accomplishing what is on your life as a man and as a husband and as a father by being a spiritual leader in your home. Uh, God also designed females to be submissive to the husband. And I wish Kaylee was on this podcast or Mac could be on this podcast too, to be able to describe being submissive in a really life-giving way. Um, I do believe fully that the Holy Spirit speaks to my wife, or I'll include you in your marriage. Like He speaks to our spouses in a really great way that help us in our leadership, but Kaylee has no problem coming under my lead in our home and leading our family. And so um, I love how God designed it. At the same time, flip that. God created women to have the superpower of a purity of love, of care, of concern, of um, covering over their children. Uh, that is really, really special. Um, that can't be replaced. Like you... Uh, a, a, a woman cannot replace the man in the home and a man cannot replace the woman in a home. And I'll say this to all the single parents out there, uh, the Holy Spirit has the power to help fill that void while also you being planted in the church and having, if you're a single mom, having godly men uh, that are mentoring and helping lead your chil uh, children, uh, mentoring your children, uh, or vice versa. If you're a single dad, um, God will provide in the church a community of women that are also able there to help support and and uh, build community and mentorship uh, for your daughter. So um, it's it's just a really broad brush and 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 
uh, initial dive into these superpowers that God gave men and women. And, and the design of men and women in marriage and in the home is a representation of Jesus and, his, and the church, Jesus being the groom, the bridegroom, and the church being the bride. And so um, the way that Jesus loved the church was that he died for the church. And so I think about being a man. What's my role as a man is men die first. Husbands die first, which means die to myself. I'm here to be a servant leader in the home and to lead how Christ leads and vice versa. The church, um, the church is, is supposed to live for Jesus and, and, um, and love like Jesus in, in reverse, but there's an initiator. So Jesus initiated his love for us by coming to earth and dying for us. I'm going to be the initiator. So I'm going to be quick to apologize. I'm going to be quick to forgive. I'm going to be quick to serve. I'm going to be quick to provide. I'm going to be quick to lead the way spiritually, um, as the man of the house and being the initiator. So, um, I'm going to stop there, Logan, just for you to interject. If you have extra thoughts or other questions, or if we, if we want to continue to discuss that further, it's definitely worth an entire podcast just to talk about the different roles of the man and the woman. Yeah. There's another question that, that is somewhat related to what you were talking about first, but I want to encourage people if they want to read about where you're speaking of, it's Ephesians 5 verses 22 through 33. So if you're wondering, well, where's that found in the Bible? Sometimes that's helpful to quote that so you can find it quicker than trying to go through Google and find it yourself. Um, yep. A question that Courtney asked that is similar to what you're bringing up first, and I'll start, and then if you have any uh, further thoughts, feel free to jump in, Kirk. But do you believe God makes people same-sex attracted, but it's sinful to act on it? You know, you mentioned uh, the the clarification of marriage, of what we believe is marriage, is that God created marriage. We see that back in Genesis, as you talked about. We see it um, affirmed. Throughout the New Testament, of course, in the middle there, you have polygamy, um, and that's yep. another topic that is for maybe another day since that wasn't specifically the question, but you can see that that wasn't what God's design was, and right. he, again, once you get to the New Testament, you start to see him clarifying a lot of things in, that Jesus was saying you have out of balance and are wrong, but things that he did allow. Um, specifically, Courtney, your, your question you know, to, to answer it as clear as possible, no, I, I, I don't think God makes people necessarily same-sex attracted in the way you're doing it. But but in, in the same way, and, and I want people to listen carefully here because I, I don't want anyone to, to think I'm saying something that I'm not because I do think it's important. I do think that there's, there is a, a difference between attraction as well as lust right and i think yeah, all men and yeah all men and all women i think are attracted to both male and female you know if you if you go uh to a party typically you're going to see all the guys hanging out and all the girls hanging out so i don't think attraction in the sense of wanting to be with somebody you see david and jonathan having this super strong friendship in scripture that he says it's like you're you're more important to me than any of my wives which again that kind of is a great example of why polygamy is not uh something that god continues to approve of um, or never approve but allow and so i also think that there are people that are more predisposed than others. There are people who you talk to that 
would never even have any bit of that. But I do think there is biological markers. There's been a lot of neuroscience studies, a lot of different things that would make someone more predisposed. And, you know, many friends of mine who I would talk to about this, who, who struggle with this, some of them are believers and who would live in that way to say, hey, I do believe it's sinful to act on it. And I just, I want to follow the Lord and remain celibate. And then there's other friends of mine that are not believers. But I do think there is biological markers that would predispose people, but that doesn't give us the permission from Scripture. Just in the same way, there are biological markers for alcoholism. There's biological markers for anger. There's a lot of things that are that we are made, that we are predisposed to. And so in some ways you could say, you know, I don't think God makes people with that. You know, scripture's clear that God does not tempt us. He's not the tempter, that it's the devil who uses our biology and our personalities to tempt us. So again, the way the question's worded, I want to answer it specifically. But yes, I do think there are certain people that are more predisposed that need to fight against that and live in a way that is honoring to the Lord, but also can be honest. And I hope that there are anyone listening, if you say, hey, I struggle with this, or I have a friend that struggles with this, that we can be honest and that anyone on our team is not going to shame anybody for having any bit of, of uh, temptations because they're temptations and they're from the enemy. And then what does the Lord say to do? It says to flee temptation. It says to join with your brothers and sisters. It says to be accountable. It says to repent. And so all of those things can be true. Again, there's so many more um, things you could talk about that in specific. But yes, we would we would say that um, any sort of sexual activity outside of a monogamous male-female marriage is sin. Um, yes. And so hope that answers your question. Uh, I know I, I kind of took a long-winded answer as well there, but no, no, anything to add? I, I, I love it. I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I would say clearly this is, this is my point of view that um, I do not believe God's original design for humanity w- was creating them with same-sex attraction. That being said, uh, sexuality and sexual attraction has a lot to do with uh, not just neuroscience, what you mentioned, but also hormones. And everybody's hormonal level is different. I mean, we see that with testosterone and supplements and how people can do hormone therapy and replacement, all that. That like, um, I think sexual attraction does come from a perversion and a lust, like same-sex attraction, uh, but it also comes from certain uh, abnormalities or deficiencies that are re- a result of us being in a fallen world. So, um, yeah, that, yeah you could say that about any sin, right? I mean, all of yes. them are a result Correct. of, of the fallen world. And so, Correct. yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think it's a, it's a, a point to say any bit of it. Like, I don't want, I, I think yeah, sometimes people pointing. struggle because they say like, oh, you singled out this and you know that's because that's I mean, Paul, this the this is the question, um, right? Right. Paul does talk Anybody about sexual sin is different. Yeah. yeah, I I um just just to be clear, the same sex attraction as a result of deficiencies or abnormalities because we live in a fallen world is not a sin. Same sex right. attraction connected to a a um. Uh, falling into temptation, a 
perversion or a lust, uh, if it's a result of a sin or habitual or falling into that, that's a lifestyle that needs to be adjusted. That is sin and acting on the same sex attraction is sin. So, um, I, yeah, I hope we're being clear in this. No, I think we are. And if we're not, we can clarify it on next week or the week after's podcast. So Courtney, let us know if that answers your question. Amanda awesome. asked a question that is, I think, a really good question. I'm interested to hear your response. It's not not one that I've really got this question a bunch, but how do you respond when someone takes the Lord's name in vain? Uh, that's a good question. I I, it's funny. I, I hear my dad's voice growing up because, you know, we live in this world and, and every once in a while we'd, we'd hear somebody out and about, whether it was on the golf course or, um, you know, in the grocery store or in public, wherever, uh, where people do use the Lord's name in vain. Um, you know, and my dad would always make the joke to us kids like, oh, they, they must be praying, you know, oh, they're a Christian. They must be praying, you know. And it was this sarcastic thing that I think I, I, I looked at that for my dad as, hey, this is, this is not something to lose my mind over or um, completely. I'm offended by, I'm I'm offended in the nature that God is disrespected, but I'm I I am understanding that these are people who are far from God and that need a savior, that need forgiveness, that need life transformation. And so it wasn't something that was my, my dad, my, his, my dad's approach was never to get in that person's face, but rather, um, if it, if it ever made sense to befriend them and, uh, to get to know them, hear their story and, uh, get an understanding. He was always pretty quick to say, Hey, I'm a pastor at a church. And, um, you know, and, and he was protecting us children sometimes, like when people would not just Lord's name in vain, but just like, cussing a lot and things like that. He, he would, I, I remember him saying, Hey, just around my children, I'm asking if you wouldn't use that language, you know? So I, I remember him. Kind of, I, I view him as a protector in that, but also loving of people that are far from God and need a savior. And there was not room to disrespect God, but room to love on the person and win them to Christ. Hope that makes sense. Right. Yeah. No, ironically enough, on my flight down here, the person I was sitting next to was using the Lord's name in vain, and I, I think that I think that it depends on your relationship with the person. Again, this is me. I don't think there's a scriptural way specifically, unless I'm not remembering it. But I don't think there's a, a way that it guides us to say, "Here's how to practice non-believers using it." I think if they're a friend of yours and if they claim to be a believer, I would I would immediately say like hey uh, for sure just want to just want to follow up on that is is do you know what you're saying are you meaning it that way this this feels like the lord's name in vain if it's a family member now if it's a family member that's not a believer then maybe I, I or a, a close friend I still think it could be appropriate to say hey I'm a I'm a Christian that is that hurts me because he's my savior he's done everything for me would you would you mind not saying that and, and and again you have to judge that for yourself but i think that could be appropriate if it's frequent if it's one time and you're that person that goes up to them again i don't think it's like right or wrong but just personally like i think that would be appropriate if it's a random person that is walking down the road and you hear them yell it or whatever and you go up and get in their face i, I don't know that that's the best witness um 
opportunity to do that. I, I don't think that's what God was saying or meaning. I also think that that the heart of what it is is not even a phrase. Like sometimes people say, oh, they took the Lord's name in vain. It's a phrase. Like, yeah, I mean, it is, but also there's context around it to where you know, if if someone is saying it, like even in some songs, I remember as a kid, it's uh, one of the songs says, oh my God is love or something. And I remember as a kid, I was like, I cannot sing this song in church because it says the Lord's name in vain. And it's like, no, that's no. not what God means is saying this exact phrase. What God is saying is, are you using his name? Again, in the what the word vain is really meaning is, are you are you swearing upon this? Are you using it and cheapening God's name? I mean, back many Hebrews won't even say the name Yahweh because it, it's there's so much just unbelievable holiness and purity to that. So to me, that's more of the heart behind the Lord's name in vain. Uh, I do think yep. there are many people who use it as a vulgarity that I do think is taking the Lord's name in vain. But I would be careful to just go up to someone and yell in their face, accusing them of that. Um, I, I don't know if that's the best witness. Yeah, I think it could be helpful just to read this out of the Baker Encyclopedia. Um, just real, It's just one paragraph. The prohibition against the improper use of God's name. There's a popular understanding that the third commandment of, from the Ten Commandments prohibits bad language or blasphemy. However, it is concerned with the use of God's name. God had granted to Israel an extraordinary privilege. He had revealed to them his personal name. The name in Hebrew is represented by four letters, Y-H-W-H, which we call Yahweh. It's, it's rendered in English, Yahweh or Jehovah. The knowledge of the divine name was a privilege, for it meant that Israel did not worship any anonymous or distant deity, but a being with a personal name. Yet the privilege was accompanied by the danger that the knowledge of God's personal name could be abused. In ancient Near Eastern religions, magic was a common pra practice. Magic involved the use of God's name, um, like 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 any go like any god, lower, lowercase g, which was believed to control a certain god's power in certain kinds of activity, or designed to harness it for human purposes. Thus, the kind of activity which is prohibited by the third commandment. Uh, magic, namely, uh, attempting to control God's power through his name for a personal and worthless purpose. So I'll just pause this to say a, a way that a Christian could use God's name in vain is to say God, God said this or God told me this or God wants to do this, but in my heart is a personal motive, which I'm not, God didn't say it. He didn't reveal it. He's not doing that, but I'm doing that to manipulate. That's a different way to actually, uh, operate in witchcraft, to be honest, is that, that some Christians over spiritualize using God's name. God told me this, God said this, God's doing this, and they're doing it for personal motive, personal gain, personal control or manipulation. And that is one way to use God's name in vain, which is prohibited in the third commandment. Hopefully that helps. No, that's, that's a perfect explanation because, again, it's like it's not a specific word or phrase. But I, I, think, I think you also could argue that, you know, just blaspheming his name like in a swearing way, I think it, whether it's the commandment or not is disrespectful to 
to agreed, God. Agreed. Um, yeah. But but I I'm glad you read that explanation. One final question here, and then we'll get to prayer and praise. You saved this question for me. Nate asks, "Is it biblical <laughs> to doomsday prep?" Oh yeah, dude. Let's go. And <laughs> I heard you. On Where's the, podcast the bunker? Two weeks ago. Where's the Say bunker? That. Um, I'm Mac and I are prepared. We're prepared, and my would family, you call yourself it's, preppers? Uh, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one because I think we probably would have different, different, uh, definitions. I, I would say the Ketterling family as a whole is prepared. If you, like, if you would say like that. guns prepared, guns prepared or, uh, 25 gallon gallons of water barrels prepared. The Ketterling family is prepared. <laughs> and so love it, dude. But here's the other thing. Like, if you say prepared for what, I th- I don't know that any of us would be able to answer that question. Um, Zombie it's not apocalypse. Armageddon. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know. I think When it's China shuts like- down the grid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Return of Christ? During- I- I'm going to get back to the question. <laughs> is okay. it biblical? Is it biblical to doomsday prep? Uh, I think the Bible is clear that you should be prepared for different things. I think it's biblical to have a savings account. It's biblical to have, you know, if there's rations beyond, um, I don't know. I, yes, I think it's biblical yes. to be prepared. But if you if if doomsday prep becomes your idol, which I think it absolutely can, then I would say it's not biblical. And so, so if you're saying, hey, I'm going to, like, if I'm going to spend an unbelievable amount of money on prepping for the end of the world, I I don't think that's biblical. Uh, but if you are a billionaire and you spend a million dollars on a bunker, that percentage of your income is insignificant, and you're saying, "Hey, I want to be prepared." But if your if your net worth as a family is 1.3 million and a million of it is in a bunker, then I would say no, that is being out of alignment. And that preparation has become an idol in your life. And so I think there's a reasonable amount of preparedness that we all can be for certain events. Some people say, ah, I don't really care. My grandpa, uh, my dad's dad, uh, I think he got this from his dad, said during the Cold War when they were all worried about uh, getting nuked you know, by Russia and everything, um, they had a phrase around their family that said, if the nuke drops, get up on the news or get up on the roof and watch because you would rather die in the blast than you know have the bunker and be in the nuclear fallout. And so, uh, I, I I don't know the true biblical answer aside from if it becomes an idol. Uh, you know, I, the Lord says we don't know the day or hour that it will be. And so, I, you know, even as a church, and, and we maybe mentioned this on the podcast before, we're not the type of church that feels like we want to have just tens of millions of dollars in reserves or hundreds of millions of dollars like the Mormon church does. Or they, I think they have multiple billions, hundreds of billions yeah. maybe. Um, but we, we don't want to be that way. We want to have enough in the bank that is wise, that is we can use for emergencies and that we can use for, for planning. 
but we run pretty lean because we want to put this in the hands of our missionaries. We want to put this in the hands yep. of church planners. We want to do ministry in our community. And so, you know, we just talked about it this last week. Pastor Rob said it's not building bigger barns. Like we as a church practice that as well. And so, yeah, if you want to prep and you feel like you have ammo or food or water and things that are prepared totally fine. If it becomes a significant part of your income, you're going behind your spouse's back, buying things, you know, you're, you're being deceitful. Uh, then it's become an idol and could be a sin in your life. Great answer. So there's, I'm glad we waited two weeks for that. Hopefully it was worth it, Nate. Uh, I'm going to read some prayer requests and then Kirk will close us in prayer. Uh, reading these from the the connect cards this week, uh, someone praying for a coworker that is living in their car, pray that they would be, uh, find a home, someone else praying for those who are addicted to drug and alcohol. God, we're praying for those praying you use teen challenge, all the, uh, rehabilitation centers, uh, the, especially the ones that are Christ center that they'd find you as Lord and savior, healing, wisdom, clarity for those with cancer and in surgery. Um, those who are waiting on health, jobs, needing more, uh, praying for a father who's not active in their children's life, uh, praying for someone else who is desiring relationship with the Lord, wants to be closer to God. And we have a list of many, many families in our church. Uh, just to, uh, I'm going to just go through some last names here. Uh, if I mispronounce it, I apologize. But Halversons, Ozans, Varbergs, McKeemans, Buckinghams, uh Bayens, Merricks, Langers, Shins, uh, Engs, Boons, Jules, Waters, Rowers, Wagners, Hotvids, Runquists, uh, Kumaras, Risers, uh, Krex, Hutchinsons, Lanes, Johnsons, Dickies, Vertanens. There's so many more, but though all of these names, we are praying specifically for you, your family. We have your kids listed. I won't share all your first names, but just know that we are lifting you up and we are praying for you as well. Kirk, would you close us out? Yeah, Lord, we pray over all of these needs and, and all of these names, these families that you know, um, you know them because you made them. And I just love that thought. You, you know all of our needs you are uh, intimate with knowing every single one of the people listed, uh, their strengths, their weaknesses, their uh, their victories, their failures. And Lord, I just pray over all of these needs. Um, and just I'm just thinking about the question about using the Lord's name in vain. I love that when we come to you in prayer, we get to invoke your name. We get to use your name and the authority in the name of Jesus over these prayer requests. We get to use that in the most appropriate way. And Lord, we, we use the name of Jesus. We ask you in the name of Jesus not to manipulate you, but to see you do your will in their lives, healing in bodies, uh, restoring marriages, providing jobs, uh, seeing salvation come to families and neighborhoods, uh, to see us live out our our calling and, and who we were made to be. So Lord, I pray over all of these names, all of these families, all of these needs, and many more that are represented, uh, thousands more represented across our church. We ask that you would meet these needs and we use your name, the name above every other name. And his name is Jesus. We ask you in the name of Jesus, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven over all of these needs. Do a miracle in Jesus name. I pray everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. Love is worth the climb Cause after all that time I know I get you And love is worth the fight Cause after wrongs made right I know I get you Seasons come and seasons go Just like the spring will steal the snow
Hey, thanks for listening to the River Valley Podcast. It would help us out a ton if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and also share it with somebody. We hope that this isn't just for people in our church. We hope that this is people far beyond that, but we know that people in our church maybe don't even know about it yet. We're talking about it on weekends. We're sharing in announcements, but maybe you're a listener, but someone in your small group is or someone at your campus. So would you send it to them, share it with them so that they can receive this and then rate it wherever you listen so that more people can find this podcast. If you have questions about faith, about church, about belief, about theology, about the Bible, please submit your questions. You can find us on Instagram at River Valley MN. You can also uh, email us, finding us on our website, rivervalley.org. Please, we want to hear your questions so that we can continue to answer those or at least respond to them here on the podcast. And again, thank you for listening. We'll see you in church this weekend.